0: But one of the best things you you can do in a conflict is ask God, pray. Ask God for wisdom, ask God to let you hear.
1: Today on Focus on the Family, we'll share insights about how you can improve almost any relationship by learning how to handle conflict well. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller.
2: Well, I don't know about you, but I can get a bit carried away with a heated discussion. I may have seen (laughs) it once or twice. (laughs) Especially with my wife, Jean. Mm. I do uh, tend to get a little competitive, and when you're competitive, you want to win that argument. There's nothing better. And all the guys just said, are you serious? That's a losing strategy. Uh, But I feel it. Yeah, and uh, you know, the good thing is to be actively listening to her side of things, affirm her observations. Those are the wise husband moves. And I think I've gotten better over the years, but maybe we should ask her. Well, we have Gene on the line, actually. So (laughs) we'll find out. Keep moving here. We'll find out what she thinks. (laughs) Let's just keep moving and call it a day. Today's guests, Dave and Ann Wilson, have some great ideas to share on how to handle conflict in a positive way. Uh, Dave and Ann are speakers, authors, church founders, and the hosts of Family Life Today Radio. Uh, They've been married for over 40 years and have three grown sons and four grandchildren. And today's content is really a fast-paced, lively
1: presentation. It was recorded several years ago at a Biola University chapel service uh, there in Southern California. Here now, Dave and Ann Wilson on Focus on the Family.
0: Probably the most important thing you need to know when you are in a relationship, whether it's marriage, dating, uh, teammates, anything, any relationship, is how to resolve conflict. Here's what I know about conflict. We never have conflict, but you guys do. <laughs> and so we decided to talk to you about it.
3: And, and here's the thing. What did Jesus say? They'll know you by what? How you love each other, right? Unity. Unity. And so what happens is if, there, if Satan's strategy is to always cause division. And I f- we're passionate about this because it drives us crazy that you go to school all these years to learn a profession but how many years have you spent learning how to have great relationships, how to love each other? Most of us, and when we do this, most people say, I've never heard anything on how to have great relationships with friends, peers, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend. And so we're passionate about, like, we should learn this stuff so that Satan doesn't get a foothold into our relationships.
0: So we're gonna take the next 27 minutes, we got to fly. Because the last time we talked about this was on a a love boat. We actually spoke on a marriage (laughs) cruise. 3,000 couples on this boat for six days talking about marriage. We called it the love boat because it was all these couples for the spirit. And we talked about how to resolve conflict. So here's what we're going to do. It applies to marriage, obviously, but it applies to every relationship. So here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, you're going to write in your notepad or whatever you're going to do. The first thing you need to know, there's basically four styles or patterns when it comes to conflict. And you fit in one of these. You may do several but you've probably fit in one of these. Write them down real quick. First one is this, some people want to win the conflict. I call it winner. Conflict happens, they're good at it, they can debate, they usually bring out you know, fingerprint evidence and iPhoto shots and evidence, and they win. They're really good. The, the second style is what I call yield. Some people call it lose, but I call it yield. They yield to the other person because they think the relationship's more important than this specific conflict, so sometimes they just yield to get uh, you know, resolution. The third one is withdraw.
3: And the withdrawer, what they do is they hate conflict, so they just wanna get away from it. They don't wanna deal with it, they just wanna run away from it. They so may they shut, usually yeah, leave, they leave or shut down emotionally.
0: And then the last one's resolve. Some people, and this is where we're gonna get to tonight, how do you get to resolution? Because everybody, you know this, everybody knows how to have conflict, everybody. We do, you do, we all do. Let me tell you, less than 10% know how to resolve it. It's scary. Less than 10%. Actually get to resolution.
3: So what I I was just gonna (laughs) say, now just think like, what are you? Like this is really important to know. What's your style? Okay? Have that in your head.
0: Yeah, and you guys don't know us. You might have heard us this morning, some heard us yesterday in class. But take a guess what her style is. Anybody want to guess from this morning? She's a winner. She is really good. She likes rope. roll up sleeves. Let's talk about this. Let's go right now. And she grew up in a family. That's how they handle conflict. And it isn't always your style is the same as your parents or what you saw, but often you sort of copy that. So she was a winner. Of course, we didn't know any of this when we got married. We just got married. We love each other. It's going to be awesome. And then we started learning this stuff. It's like, oh my gosh, she's a winner. Guess what I am? I'm a withdrawer. Now, you heard it. If you were at chapel this morning, you heard at the very end my story of my family, two alcoholic parents, abuse divorce, affairs, the whole thing, right? In my family, whenever there was conflict, it got ugly and it ended in divorce. So I grew up thinking, man, you avoid conflict at all costs. You do not, it never works. You don't talk it through. So we get married and, and you know, we're, we're missionaries. We go on staff with crew and we're raising our support back in our hometown of Ohio. Her, at, we're living with her parents. They're gone for uh, an afternoon. And we get in a fight in the house. Nobody's there. The windows are open. Nobody's home. And I get up and start to leave the room. And I don't even know if this is what I do, we're, but that's what I did. This
3: huge fight. So he just... Like, I just well,
0: literally started to walk out of the room. I'm
3: like, I, I'm not going to talk about this. And I'm but, amazed. Like, And you guys, this is what I say to him. This is so bad. I say, where are you going? Come back here and fight me like a man, you chicken. <laughs> 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 Who and said I, that, right?
0: And I'm halfway through the kitchen and I hear that. And I literally took off. Our, our
3: windows are open. Our neighbors are probably thinking, oh, that's that young missionary couple <laughs> having a fight. It's awesome.
0: I was 22. She was 19. So, she follows me upstairs. He goes I go upstairs. He
3: closes the bedroom door to get away from me. I open the door. I go and I sit right down beside him like, we have to talk about this.
0: I'll never forget. It. I was like, what are you doing? What are you? I mean, I, I was so uncomfortable. You know why? I, I, at that point, I'm married now. I don't know if I had ever, ever entered into a conflict. I always withdrew. I always got in a car, drove away, broke up with the girlfriend, um, ended the relationship. I'm too good for this. I don't need to. That was my MO. And here we are married, and she's saying, we got to resolve this. Now, here, here's the reason I avoided conflict, not just my family. I had a presupposition that conflict is bad. You avoid it. Was I right? No. I have totally flipped that. Here's what I will tell you. Conflict is good. Now, I'm not saying, oh, always <laughs> like, hey, let's go have a fight tonight. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I'm saying, man, if you learn some things, even tonight, and we're going to fly really fast, um, and learn how to resolve conflict, you will get to a place in your relationships, romantic relationships, teammates, classmates, family, yeah. better than you've ever been in your life if you will do that. We called out our church, man, and our staff was like, let's roll up the sleeves and go. And that doesn't mean fight, that means let's roll up the sleeves and do the hard work, because it's hard work, really hard work to resolve conflict. Because
3: I really always felt like when we get through that conflict, we're better. Like, we know each other better, we've talked more, and now we know each other, so we've become even better in our relationship. But you never saw it like that before. No,
0: and and I do now, but I'll tell you this, this is the big truth of this whole thing. There's one big idea, this is basically it. The health and future of your relationship is determined by how you handle conflict. And I actually think relationship and conflict rhyme, so you can remember it better, right? <laughs> the health and future of relationship is how you handle conflict. Okay, so that's, that's how it works. That's how I preach. I always want it to rhyme. Um, but, but here's the thing. Some of you know the uh, marriage uh, writer, uh, probably the yeah. foremost expert in the country, John Gottman. He's the guy that can spend 15 minutes with a couple and watch them fight and tell you if they're going to make it or not, and he's 98% accurate. 15 minutes. He watches them try to resolve conflict, and he says... They're going to make it. They're not going to make it. He's true right almost all the time. The most important thing for the future and the health of any relationship you have, marriage relationship, friendship, you name it, is how you handle conflict. So here we're going to go. We're going to give you five S's. They all start with letter S, and they're two-word statements, five principles. I hope we can get actually all of them done. We'll try our best, but here they are. The first one you need to know, if you're going to resolve conflict, the first S is this, shut up. <laughs> Write it down. You're thinking, what else? That's it. Shut <laughs> up. What do I mean? Shut up and listen. Because often in a conflict, we don't listen. Like what I'm doing right now. I'm not letting her talk. I'm talking, (laughs) talking, talking. And that's what you do in a conflict. You talk, you talk. And when they're talking, all you're doing is you're not even listening. You're just like, would you shut up? You shut up. And you try to jump in. It's like, no, you got to shut up. Don't say a word. Focus in. Turn the phone off. Turn the TV off. Look them in the eye and try to listen for what? The real issue, because the issue is usually behind the problem they're talking about. It may be that, but it's probably something behind that. If you don't listen well, you won't even catch it.
3: So you guys have heard James 1.19, but listen to it now. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to what? Listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What, what if we lived that out? Honestly, what if we lived it out that we were slow in getting angry, but we were quick to listen? Two
0: ears, one mouth. That should be the ratio. Literally, should be. We should listen twice as much as we speak. Now, do we need to speak in conflict? Yeah, that's the third S. Don't write it down yet. We're going to get there. (laughs) But the first thing we need to do is shut up, close our mouths, don't try to make our point, try and really listen. And by the way, a lot of listening is not just what they're saying. It's how they're standing, their posture, their, their tone of voice. All that is communicating something beyond just the
3: words. Because here's the truth. Like Because we've raised three sons, and I married to Dave, I realized that a lot of times Dave would come home... He wouldn't even tell me what he's feeling like if i was upset i would be verbalizing it or i would be crying i've never come home and dave's (laughs) sitting on the couch like i had the worst day he just doesn't do that but he gets quiet he gets like moody or else he's angry and snappy so i should be thinking not what is your problem why are you being a jerk (laughs) i should be thinking what happened and what's the underlying issue why are you acting like that
0: so I'll tell you a quick story i was preaching at our church i don't know years ago uh, I know how long ago because our uh, two sons with you. I'm staying outside our church. Uh, it's right before our last service. We do multiple surfs on weekend. I see Ann pull up and there's a parking spot right by the front door. She whips into it real quick. She's late. She and two of our sons get out. Austin was what, 16? Cody, mean, that means he's 14. They come running up and uh, they're all excited because they got a really good parking spot by the front door.
3: Well, yeah, because here's, the, here's what happens. So, <laughs> I'm late because our kids are teenagers and we're late. So I pull in. She's blaming
0: the kids. You hear that? Do you notice that? (laughs) Everybody's
3: there. And I see this spot right by the front door. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for my spot. So I pull in. I see Dave like, hey, you're out here. It's sunny. You're greeting everybody. And he looks at me. He's smiling. Oh, hey, how you doing, everybody? And then he whispers in my ear, like yelling at me. "Go." Whisper
0: yelling. That's what you just said.
3: It was like, go move the car right now.
0: I said, move the car now. And she's like, I'm
3: not moving the car. I said, no. And I said, I, God gave me that spot. Said, I'm not moving it. I'm
0: like, God did not give you that spot. I go, Austin, here, move the car. And Austin's like, no, I'm not moving I, the car. I, I
3: stood in front of Austin like this. No, I? no like, Austin, don't move the I'm, car.
0: I'm literally in front of the church going, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Welcome to church. Go move the car. It was like, what are you doing? And then I'm like, I got to go in and preach. You get that car moved. And I took off. And I go in, and I'm up there preaching. I can see her sitting in the back.
3: Oh, and I'm sitting in the back like this, like, I can't stand the pastor of this church. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I can tell she's thinking that. Every time I, my head went that way, I'm like, you know, giving her the look like, this isn't finished, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I get home later. Now, here's what you don't know yet, right? You're, you're probably thinking, what's the deal, dude? Why are you asking her to move the car? Okay, I'm going to give you my side of the story, right? It's no good. It's good. <laughs> It's the truth, and, I, and th- this is the reality. We started our church 25 years ago, so we're the founders, right? And when you're the founders of a church, you get to set the values. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but one of our core values to this day, 26 years later, is we leave the best parking spots in the church for the unchurched that aren't there. We leave them. We, our members, literally, we have, raise your right hand. I'm going to park across the street. I'm going to park in the background. There's no Pastor Wilson spot by the front door. I'm not saying churches can't do that. We just don't. Those spots are left for the people that we are trying to reach. They were
3: already there. They were not there. They were already there. I was late, and so they were already inside. So my wife, the pastor's wife, takes the best spot. I'm like, no,
0: you've got to move the car. Okay, anybody with me? Nobody's Look at with you. The guys it. are. The guys in,
3: are. Look at some of them are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I got one. Right, we're not we got done yet. One. You keep going. Okay. All right.
0: So I get home after preaching, right? And and sometimes conflicts are going for hours. That doesn't always we happen. We could resolve it then. Yeah, we could. So I walk in the door. I mean, I'm not kidding. I walk in the door after that last service. I walk in the second I see her in the kitchen. I'm like, I cannot believe you parked there. What are you thinking? So we start yelling at each other. And, we don't yell often, but yeah, we were yelling. Then. We,
3: like we. We speak around the country on this stuff, so we... We're experts. We know the skills, but we didn't care at that point. <laughs> We're just yelling at each other, and so I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're so angry about it.
0: And by the way, neither one of us are listening. <laughs> at all. We're shutting up, the very first principle I'll tell you. And so it gets so bad that my son Cody he's now on our staff. Okay. So he's 25 married. He was 14, baby. Yeah. Sitting at the end of the kitchen table. I'm at the other end. We're going at it. And Cody goes like this. He goes, Hey dad, don't you and mom like speak around the country on how to like resolve conflict? And I go, yeah. He goes, could you maybe show me, you know, maybe you, know, you could do it. This, this isn't looking real good. And I remember going, you sit right there, young man. This you watch this whole thing. And so I go at it. She actually leaves and goes I was upstairs. so mad. And I was like, yeah, you should, you know, you're wrong. Go upstairs.
3: And I end up going upstairs. Have you ever, do you do this? Like the fight's going on, and you're building your case in your head. Do you know what I mean? Like you're going through, like, this is what I'm saying, and this is why I'm so right. So I come downstairs. Like I am, I come down, it's like, all right, here it is. So he's sitting there, like, here's the truth. I do everything around here. I go to church by myself all the time. You're here speaking, and you're here speaking, and you're doing this. I'm here at home mowing the grass, and I'm fixing the cars, and I'm changing the oil. I snowboard, and I wakeboard just to be with the guys. And I'm cleaning, and I'm doing your laundry. And if one time there's a spot that Jesus gives me, I should get to park there. (laughs) Right? Yes, guys! Hey! There's guys actually
0: clapping too. Men, we're together here, man. They're like, you, you're toast, dude. I mean, I'm sitting there, not kidding. She says this little speech, you know, right by by the door, and Cody again looks at me right at the end of this thing. And he gave me the look, just like you guys. He's like, Dad, dude, you lost this one. I mean, it was like, look at what she said. Now, here's what happened. Here's the amazing thing that I didn't tell you yet. When she went upstairs. I was initially like, yes, you, you know, we can't even talk right now. But she was upstairs for like 15 minutes. Mm, Cody's eating and I'm sitting there. And so here's what I did. While she was gone, I calmed down a little bit. And I said this, I prayed, just a quiet prayer. And I said, God, what am I missing? What am I not seeing? Help me to see what's really going on. So when she comes down, right, I'm not even hot anymore. She comes down. She does this whole little thing, Cody gives me the look, and I say this, I go, let me ask you a question. I said, do you feel like Kensington, that's our church, do you feel like Kensington is more important to me than you are? And that's all she did. Yeah. She shook her head, and I knew right then what the issue was. I finally listened. But one of the best things you you can do in a conflict is ask God, pray ask God for wisdom, ask God to let you hear. Um, I, I was not letting God in this thing until that moment and I finally said, okay, God, I need your help. I need to see what's really going on. And right there it was. So I realized in one second, this whole thing was never about a parking spot. It was about her not feeling cherished and a priority in my life. Now, I said this yesterday at the marriage class, but years ago, I would have argued with her that she shouldn't feel that way. That's an immature person not understanding how to resolve conflict. You, what do you mean you feel like Kensington's more important? It's, that's what I would have done. And I knew now if she feels like the church is more important than her, the church is more important than her, whether I agree or not. It doesn't matter. If, I, I, in my heart, I was like, there's no way, not even close, that Kensington's more important than you. But she feels that way, so I didn't even say there's no way. I just said, oh, my gosh, I'm wrong. Not you're wrong, I'm wrong, right? And so, finally, I shut up enough to hear, and now we can go somewhere. Mm. But, by the way, she's never parking there again, okay? That's just the way it is, right? Right, honey?
3: Maybe he doesn't know.
0: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But let me tell you something, and we've got five S's to go. We just covered one, but that first one is so key. And when I'm saying they're in any certain order, but if you never listen, you'll never get to step two. And step two, we just illustrated for you, is soft answer. Hmm. If the first one is uh, shut up and listen, the second one's soft answer. What happened when she came down and she did her little deal? Did I yell back? No. I tenderly and quietly asked a question,
3: do you feel like? And that tone changed the whole conversation Mm -hmm. because proverbs 15 one says a gentle answer turns away wrath so if you're escalating it will continue to escalate but if someone then goes down the whole situation every time somebody
0: escalates the other one escalates somebody goes down it is hard to yell at somebody that's real gentle you could do it but you're an idiot you really are and everybody knows you're like dude what is up There's a real problem there. But when somebody de-escalates, it tends to de-escalate the conflict. Not always, but usually it does. I was, one time I pulled out of our subdivision uh, to go to work and uh, there was a car coming sort of quick and I thought I had time and I pulled out and as I did it, I realized he was coming really fast and I cut him off. And so I did the, I don't know if this happens in California, it happens in Detroit. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, I could be killed right now. (laughs) I look in the mirror, and he was really upset. And it's a one-lane road, so he's going to be behind me for a couple miles before there's a couple. So I keep looking up there, and he's just going off. It's really cold, so all the windows are up, but I can read every word. And so finally, about two miles later, we get up to a light, and I pull in this lane, and I'm like, is he going to pull up? He pulls up right beside me. And I, you know, I'm like, you know, you do the thing, should I even look, right? I'm just, (laughs) I'm not gonna look. And I can see in my periphery, (laughs) I can see it, you know? And I'm like, okay, I I gotta look. Cause you know, he may be wanting to jump out of his car. So finally I turn and he is like this, like slobber on his, (laughs) and the windows are still up but I I just go like this, I go, sorry, my bad, sorry. You should have seen it. This guy's like, oh, hey, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly oh yeah that's cool we're cool they drove off de-escalate right i mean i mean it was a perfect example of what we're talking yeah. about if you're in a conflict that's gonna help and here here's the thing in a conflict when it's escalating somebody has to de-escalate here's the question for you who should make the first move somebody said to gentlemen, here's a great answer and i think you've had the egregious speak out here haven't you uh, Emerson, anyway, there was a book called Love and Respect. They said in this book, they said, here's the answer to that question. Who should make the first move in a conflict that needs to deescalate? How about this for an answer? He who is most mature make the first move. Boom. Because you know what you're thinking? They should. You know, I'm right, so they should. Now he says, whoever's most mature make the first move. Mm. So if you make the first move, that's because you are actually being more mature than them and say, you know, I could keep yelling, but I'm not going to We've got to move this thing toward resolution, and I will make the first move. And it's hard. Mm. Sometimes you don't want to make the first mm-hmm. move. But that's really the, the second S is just, um, uh, what was it? I'm going to check you out. Okay, first one was shut up. Second one was soft answer. Third one speak truth. Speak truth. We talked about it a little bit already, but speak the truth in love. Speak the truth. The truth needs to be spoken. That's often hard, but it needs to be packaged
3: in a context of love and i think that's what happens we don't package it because some of you are great you're totally good at speaking the truth you're all about speaking the truth this is me like i can speak the truth i feel like it's my gift today when i speak the truth (laughs) and some of you though like when it says speak the truth in love some of you are so loving that you feel like you don't want to hurt this person and so you won't speak the truth but sometimes the most loving thing you could do is speak the truth. And so what I used to do is I feel like I'm going to tell Dave everything, so I would just say it. Instead, what I've realized now is I have to ask God first, should I even say it? God, will this help our relationship? And then if I feel like I should, I need to package it in a way that Dave will receive it. You know,
0: it's interesting. John Gottman, when he talks about speaking the truth, he, he uses a word that he looks for when he analyzes couples that are arguing. He says, I look for Contempt. You know what contempt is? I'll read you his quote. He says, Contempt is the single best predictor of relationship breakdowns. He defines contempt as an attitude of superiority speaking down to your your friend through name-calling or direct insults. You know what contempt is? Arrogance. I'm better than you. You may not say it. You can feel it. And Gottman's saying you can just smell it. It's like, oh my gosh, there's contempt here. It isn't just an argument. There's contempt, and so they're speaking the truth, but they're speaking it with arrogance, with contempt. And when you see that, it's big trouble. Okay, we gotta keep keep flying. Um, how many we got? First one is shut. Uh. Second one is soft. Yeah. Third one speak. Truth. Fourth one is what is it? Solve or sleep? <laughs> Here's what it is. Solve the conflict, and if you can't, go to sleep and solve it tomorrow. Now, some people will say, no, 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 that's not biblical. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Anybody know that one? Ephesians what? Ephesians 4.26. <laughs> Write it down. Go look it up. We were told when we got married, that was a literal verse that it meant you can never go to sleep with a conflict in your marriage. So you have to resolve It would be four.
3: three in the morning. And Dave is like falling asleep. I go, how can you fall asleep? This is so important. Like, you don't even care about our relationship. And I'm like, the sun went down hours ago, you know? (laughs) I mean, and we really were
0: mentored and told it's literal. Can I just tell you? It's not literal. (laughs) It's a principle. I mean, if you start the conflict at 9 p.m., the sun's down. You got till tomorrow, okay? (laughs) It's not literal, but it is a principle. It says solve it quickly don't wait a week, don't wait a month, don't wait till because, you know, next because Christmas. Because some
3: of you are avoiders, so you're yeah. like, oh yeah, we'll solve it in a week, and you hope it never comes up. So we usually say 24 hours, if you have a friend, or a teacher, or a boyfriend girl, like solve it within 24 yeah, hours. Yeah, if you're
0: working on it and you can't get the resolution, sometimes you just need to say, okay, let's talk tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., noon, whatever. And sometimes, especially for guys, we need more time to process. It's not always true for men and women, but I do. Sometimes she's like, what are you thinking? I'm like, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> How can you not know? I don't know. You know? Can we talk tomorrow? And it's by tomorrow. I'm like, oh, I do know. I really do know. This is what I was feeling. And we can get somewhere. And sometimes we can resolve it before we go to bed. But many times we schedule the next day and the best relationships resolve it the next day. Yes. They don't wait a week. They resolve it the next day. But if you can solve it right now, do it.
1: We're going to have to end this presentation right there from Dave and Ann Wilson and our thanks to Biola University in La
2: Mirada, California for allowing us to use this terrific message on Focus on the Family. The Wilsons went on to talk about the importance of seeking forgiveness for past hurts and the ultimate importance of surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ. And we'll include that great content on the free audio download that you'll receive when you get a copy of their book, Vertical Marriage. And that's from us right here at Focus on the Family. Uh, the book is a very honest look at the key secret that brought Dave and Ann back from the brink of divorce and enabled them to enjoy over 40 years of marriage. And let me encourage you to make a monthly pledge to support Focus on the family's effort to strengthen and save marriages. Be part of the ministry. Uh, that's the best way to help us even out the ups and downs of the budget throughout the year. And if you can't make a monthly commitment right now, we understand. We can send the book out for a one-time donation of any amount. Yeah, call us and uh, make a donation as you can. And request your copy of the book by the
1: Wilsons, Vertical Marriage, and the audio download, which has extra content. Our number is 800 A Family. or you can make your monthly pledge of any amount and request your copy when you follow the link in the show notes.
2: And when you're online with us, uh, do your marriage a favor and take our quick, free online assessment. You'll discover the strengths and, yes, the weaknesses of your relationship. And then you'll be directed to helpful articles for those weaker areas that you can work on. Over a million people have already taken the assessment and benefited from it. So come check it out today. Yeah, you'll find the link for that marriage assessment in the program
1: notes. Next time, a unique perspective on mental health.
2: The church, in a sense, is the answer, in my mind, to mental health problems because people are going there first. Uh, This is a divine opportunity that God's given us, and we have to be more aware.
1: On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to this Focus on the Family podcast. Take a moment, please, and uh, leave a rating in your app and share this episode with a friend, won't you? You might know somebody whose marriage would really benefit from what you've heard from the Wilsons today. I'm John Fuller inviting you back next time as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at hoperestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's hoperestored.com.